Hey everybody, this is Jeff Peterson, and this is the Interstate of Music Podcast, and I am lucky enough today to actually have our guest in studio, which is different nowadays, uh, especially with all the Zoom podcasts and Zoom meetings that we're all used to, so it's kind of nice to have you uh, in-house. I want to welcome our guest, uh, Tony Goff. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invitation. Glad uh, to be the the pioneer here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. The, the post COVID pioneer. It's, yeah. it's a big. That's a that's a huge title. It is. And and the thing about you with titles and projects, you've got a lot of them. You've you've always been somebody that is um, involved, and it, whether it's in business with golf enterprises and all that, um, and slightly gigantic, which is yeah. your new personal music venture that yeah. how long has that been going on you started releasing music in the middle of june it would have been okay yeah. so so, it, so a couple of years ish in, in concept but really turning it into something yeah so t- tomorrow uh i'm sure by the time this yeah, right, you, we're, right. We're, we're like 17 weeks ago right um uh so here at the end of february we're releasing our seventh song and uh on all the digital platforms and it's just been a, a passion project i've you know, I've I wanted to get back into doing original music yeah. um, for real. And honestly, learning about the music industry, music marketing in the 21st century, which I never really had the opportunity to do in growing businesses and you know, right. working in cover bands and right. and that type of thing. And, and that's been a, a really cool thing for me. Well, and, and, the, and you bring up cover bands because in, in this Milwaukee market, I mean, that is what your – I don't want to say most known for because yeah, you know the no. golf the golf name is a strong name in business in the community. Um, but when it comes to music, you were first known, right, yeah. in a big way. Yeah, with the cover band scene, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, when I came back from Hollywood in 1996, um, I started the Boogeyman, you right? Know? And we that was just you know lightning in a bottle, you yeah. Know? So with the alter egos and the, you know, the, the, the Afro wigs and the platform shoes and the whole thing, yep. it was just like the perfect thing at the perfect moment. And it, it blew up like crazy. Yeah. You, know? it, so, you were, you were playing nonstop and you were playing, you were headlining, you were doing the key time slots for the biggest festivals yeah. and you weren't just Wisconsin based. I mean, you were yeah. you were traveling around as the boogeyman. You were getting a lot of gigs. Yeah, and and we were releasing original disco records, very yep. tongue in cheek. The yep. whole thing was like half music and half comedy. And 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 just major focus was the entertainment value of what yeah. we were trying to do. If somebody's going to come and see you guys play, they were going to have a fantastic time doing it. And that's why there was lines wrapped around the place. They and, really you know, were. 20 below zero weather. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's insane. And because it, now the other side of it is you had an opening band for right. the Boogeyman. Yeah, which was actually you right, as right. well. That's right. hey, it's a way, way to save a buck. Yeah, know? right? Yeah. Smart. So what was what was that concept and when? how did that come up? Because I thought it was brilliant. When I first saw it, and I, the boogeyman, you come out with, the, like you said, the alter egos with the, you know, the big fro wigs and the whole 70s, at yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah. But the band that opens for you, completely different vibe, completely right. different concept. What made you think of doing that? Well, we did it in two different variations over the 16 years that I was in the band. Yep. Um, obviously, 96, what was going on in 96? The Packers were like the biggest thing in yep. the world. It was super hot with Brett Favre and the, yep. that whole thing. So um, 
so we would wear Packer jerseys and we called ourselves Cheese Whiz, you know. Brilliant. You know, and we'd just yep. go out. Again, and- again, you guys were constantly okay with putting yourselves out there. And you, you mentioned tongue in cheek. Yeah. Very much that concept of entertainment value, but your the skills of your, the musicianship and the you know that your right. your vocal capabilities were top were top notch and no, are top notch. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um. I've, Otherwise, people aren't coming back. I've been blessed to be able to play with some really great players. Yeah. I mean, all the way through. So yeah, that's been a, a constant for me. Thankfully, at yeah. Least, you know, right. at least since uh, you know the early nineties. You know, because because that was that was you guys got paid real money. Yeah. I mean, it, you guys cover bands. You know, when when they've got that much entertainment value and they're bringing in that kind of a crowd, you're making bank. Real money by 2022 standards. Yes. You know what I mean? I see, you know, we pushed real hard to get $10 cover charges back in 96. Now, try and get a $10 cover charge in 2022. It's almost impossible for just about anyone. I mean, it, it happens, but, you know, people are complaining about it, like... You know, it's all of a sudden they don't have as many drinks because of it. The whole thing. It's like it's like this big wine session every time somebody walks up and says, Oh, there's a cover. Right. It's like it's it's weird. There are hundreds and hundreds of years worth of uh musical expertise happening on that stage at any given you know, yep. hours, I should say. Yep. given on that on that stage, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment on the stage. Everyone's trying yep. to put on a beautiful stage show. And people don't want to pay ten bucks, but anyway, I digress. I, well, and, and that that is a that is a part of, you know, where you start to kind of determine what you want to do with your music career. Yeah. And you talked about you know doing some originals um, as the Boogeyman, the tongue in cheek kind of seventies disco style. But when did you start to kind of feel like you wanted to be more focused on your own? I don't know whether it's musicianship or whatever lyrics, you know, the, the, the composing of your own music, because you've done such a great job of portraying other styles and genres of music, because you mentioned 52nd street with, which is an amazing Billy Joel tribute show. Um, and, uh, and you, you nail it. You just played the Paps theater, which Mm -hmm. is like when you're, it's hard to even call 52nd Street a cover band. But when you're playing somebody else's music, that's how it, it is. Just, no, it, it gets, we, we, it, we are. It gets we are a straight-up tribute music of Billy Joel band. We just play that music really well. And, and packing large stadiums that people are paying top-dollar tickets, and you are entertaining them. They're singing along. Like, you have the stage presence and the the oomph that, it, that every musician's looking for on stage. What made you want to do the original thing? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the my my rock original music passion started, you know, in 1985, When all rock should yeah. start. Exactly, right? <laughs> the best decade so of all time. So when you're uh, an uncool, pimple-faced kid at Catholic Memorial, you know, uh, uh, not a big hit with the ladies, you know, and uh, not a great student, you know, I was just, just, you know, I was just, just getting through, just barely getting through, yep, barely, yep. barely. Um, 
you know, I, I came across Circus Magazine. Me and my dirtball friends were flipping through Circus Magazine at the, at the <laughs> around in, awesome. in, in the cafeteria. Yep. And I went, I want to be that guy, but he gets a lot of chicks. <laughs> no kidding. Know? Like that's kind of, that was kind of the drive yeah. motivation. You're like, hey, let's have fun with it. Absolutely. Now, were you playing <laughs> instruments at that time or were you just like, hey, you guys don't want to sing, but you can play drums and your guitar. I guess I'll be the singer. Like, how did that play out? Excellent question. It's kind of funny. So super passionate about it. I'm 15 years old. I get myself working, working at my dad's body shop and earn enough cash to get a, a knockoff uh, a Les Paul guitar. Okay. I'm practicing that thing every day. I'm playing through this crummy little amp and you know, I'm super passionate. I'm just into it, trying to read tablature and just just be in a garage band. That's yep. what I want to do. Yep. So I take a little ski trip up to a little Switzerland at the time, sliding down. It's a little bunny hill. I fall down. I break my thumb. See this right here? I break my thumb. I wind up with a cast up to my elbow, and I can't touch my guitar for months. Right. So I continue to go to our crummy garage band little rehearsals, and so I can't play guitar, but there's a microphone sitting there. So I start screaming through a guitar amp, and that's really that – that, that was it. Yeah. And, and now what was the name of the band that took you to – LA slash Hollywood to yeah. give it a go. Was it Lips? Lips, yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. 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 100%. And what what gave you the what gave you the guts to think you were good enough to go to LA <laughs> with the band named Lips <laughs> right, out of Wisconsin right, right. with the with with you know coming out of a garage trying yeah. to figure things out? Like like what was that process like that you even thought that that was a good idea or even possible a lot of naivete i would say okay. <laughs> yeah. hey, some of the best things come from thinking that you're better or hey why not me type yeah. of a thing and like hey we're so good and uh, give it a shot 100 right? you know so we're playing ta Vern's and billy's old mill and you know we're feeling like we're all the places yeah. everybody across the country has heard of of right? course of course so we're thinking we're, we're king shit right, right. playing, yep. these, playing these little rooms and you know, we're putting out our own original music on, you know, cassettes. And I mean, yep. we had all the motivation in the world. We're getting these things like, you know, put into the mainstream records and uh, uh, music land stores. Oh and, you know, we're doing our own promo. This is totally bringing I mean, it back. Yep. You know, flyers and posters and um, doing our own self-promoted shows at the, at the Waukesha Expo Center and this type of thing. You know, flyering the heck out of all the local high schools. So this, and, so this became... Like just this internal project passion. This is what we want to do all day, all night, every weekend. Yep. It all revolved around that. And it was just that. Every day, 24-7, yeah. 365 days a year, that's all I wanted to do. And that's yeah. all we wanted to do. So we rehearsed and we wrote music and we were very, very tight. And, you know, it was just a, a young group of guys that just were we were going to be as good as we could have possibly been yep. at that time. Now I look back in the material and I'm like, oh my God, how embarrassing, you know? And a lot of that came from just trying to, you know, emulate the popular musicians of the day. Like yeah. you learn along the way. And sometimes it just takes too darn long that the only cool thing about any of us is to be ourselves. Yes. You know, we're, we're really not being cool when we're trying to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it just took too long to figure that out. But beyond that, you know, we were motivated. Boy, yep. were we motivated. So um, my my best friend in uh, music and all other ways for a long forever, like since we were 18 years old, Joe Height and I, we had started um, Lips and, uh, you know, we had a, all this local success. So we go out to L.A. for a weekend and had the time of our lives, of course, of you course. Know, a, couple, a couple of young guys. Yeah. 
came back and we announced to our band, we said, well, we're, we're moving to LA. Are you in or out? Are you in or out? Yep. And you know, with these guys with nothing to lose at the time, they went, yeah, we're in. We didn't have any money. So let's just say, I, th I think the uh, statute of limitations has run out on this now. <laughs> sure. I, I think. I, yeah, I, I, would yeah, say oh, I yeah. can't get around. 100%. Here, right? Oh, yeah, no, no. Right. So I, one of the guys in the band wound up with um, some sort of a fake ID. Yeah. And then we, uh, we, we, we rented, I say in air quotes here on the podcast, yeah, yeah. we rented a U Haul. And we said that we were going to drive it across town and, you know, move from one apartment to the other across yep. town. Yep. We got in that thing, loaded it up, and hightailed it for California. That's awesome. And that's how we got our stuff out there. That's We amazing. didn't have the money, you know. We gave it back, but. Right. <laughs> eventually, eventually when, when, you didn't wanna, when you didn't know what to do with it anymore. <laughs> we, we and, and, the, and the landlord started charging <laughs> rent for the parking spot outside. But, but when you got out there, how did you, did you get gigs? Yeah, it, back. This is back in the day of pay to play, you know. So we wanted to play all the most famous clubs up and down the Sunset yep. Strip, you yep. know, the Roxy, Gazzari's, the Whiskey at Go Go, you know, the Troubadour down on Santa yep. Monica. You know, this is what we were reading about in our circus magazines about how Motley Crue got signed out of the Whiskey right. at Go Go. Well, that's right. where we got to be because that's where the record people, the record company people are. I mean, this was our thought at the time, and it was it was sort of true at the time. Yeah, but. It, you know, the it, it had just begun to shift. You know, things were shifting. Okay. And maybe that group of guys were really kind of the last guys that actually got signed directly out of a rock club in Hollywood. Yeah, okay. It was happening in, in, in other ways. Yep. You know. So so you played those places. Yeah, a lot. And know. and did you – were you able to make some – enough money to kind of keep you out there for a bit? And, yeah. Or did all of you have to go get – Real job, so to speak. Well, we we tried to. I mean, this is again between ninety and ninety six. The the job market was not good. Mm -hmm. So, and we would have, you know, we were starving to death. You know, yeah. we're, we're living with like all of these ramen guys. noodles was expensive. Oh yeah, <laughs> to you guys. <laughs> there's a point in time we ate nothing but a, a bag of potatoes for for a month. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, this is what we did. We had we made potatoes in every possible way you could possibly imagine. You know. Yep. I mean. There was crazy stories. I mean, a gang member that got his head blown off, like in the apartment across from across the the, the across the hall from our apartment. Because you weren't in the high rent district, obviously. We, we were not. Yeah, we yeah. were not. We were not. We got evicted probably you know seven times or something like that. Well, and you could, the thing years. about it is like back then you could get away with that kind of thing a little bit more because it, it there wasn't a good way for it to tr you know right. to trail you. True. You know, so you could go and say, oh, we just moved into town looking for a place from Wisconsin. Yep. Hey, you know, we're good guys. You exactly. know that kind of thing. And they're like, oh, we didn't realize you just got evicted four different times because right. it's it was it was harder to track that stuff back then. We we wanted to be good guys. We, yeah. We, right. We, we wanted to pay our rent. Right. But it just wasn't working out yeah you know? so how long were you out there six years almost holy shit that's legit yeah yeah, yeah. How, how how much too long was it out of that six mm. years how long was it probably too long oh boy that's an excellent question um well here's what happened it was probably 91 when we uh got introduced to a guy that loved our band, that saw what we were doing, saw the motivation, saw the songwriting quality, and he uh, he got us a development deal with A and M Records. So we were recording 
at A&M Studios, the old Charlie Chaplin Studios, yeah. which is now uh, the Jim Henson Studios, right there at Sunset and La Brea. We were recording in there while Metallica was mixing their Black Album uh, across the hall. That's we're, crazy. we're in Studio D there in the mix room, are running a Lars Lars Ulrich in the in the in the hallway, and he just just. He's gushing. Uh, he doesn't know me from Adam. I'm, right. I'm like, hey, you're Lars. You're the guy from Metallica. Yeah. And he's, bro, you would not even believe what we got going on here. Got, but Bob Rock is working with us. And it's just, you're, you're, your mind is going to be blown. This is going to be a complete game changer for us. And he's, he's, you know, he's selling me. He doesn't know right. me from Adam. Right. You know? And, um, I don't know, we just, you know, we were in there with Melissa Etheridge and Kiss was in there. We got kicked out of Studio A so Bon Jovi could uh, do some overdubs on the Crossroads You've got record. great just stories just, just from like going that. out and giving it a shot and yeah, doing it. Yeah, just crazy stuff. So, so you get back. How deflated are you at that point? Worn out from Burn. the grind and just like, I this isn't, this yeah. isn't gonna, I gotta make money. Just beyond burned out yeah. yeah 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 and so i came back with a wife and a three-month-old daughter you know and i'm a midwest that's more than you took out in the u-haul from oh, what i remember yes it was yes it was yes it was <laughs> yeah. went out there with a girlfriend and some rabbits and came back with a wife and, and a three-month-old child yeah well me being bob goff's kid was i'm not about to uh, uh not support my family right you know oh no I mean? good, the upbringing is solid good midwestern kid, yeah you know? right there's no way right. i'm gonna do that my kid's not gonna be brought up in the los angeles you know public school system yeah right you know with the with a deadbeat dad that wants to be a rock star right yep right so we came back that and... story's been told a million times on mtv oh exactly <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly i don't i don't want to be that guy so i i um it's a very long story, but I had started this uh, little manufacturing company before I left. Actually, okay. in the in the midst of everything else, it's like, what? what? You did what? Yeah, that's what happens. That's when what's you're so. so that's what's so interesting about you is because you've done so many different things outside of music that can stand alone as successful business stories um, and journeys all by themselves. But with everything that you've done musically and that journey, I mean, you've. I mean, there's got to be a book coming out. And I, I mean, like, there, there's so much to you that people could just kind of learn or reach out, have a question. You've got so much past experience and knowledge. And, and just honestly, it, it is like I've been there. I've lived it. I've, I've hated it. I've loved it. I've in-betweened it. You've been through so many different aspects of it. Financially, nothing. Financially, yeah. lots of something. Um, so it's it's crazy you know, where it's at. So, I mean, having something, this little manufacturing thing, what were you making? Um, we were making industrial uh, curtain partitions for body shops. So it's, we-, we What call, year was this? This is, I, I was 19 years old. It was 1987. It was two years out of high school. So, I know. So in amongst everything That's else- sol solid business. Uh, yeah, yeah. So here, here's the real story there. I'm trying to keep this short. I, I was going to WCTC, okay. basically for marketing, just trying to, just so my mother would have something to tell the the, the other moms. At, 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 at Bible study. Right, right. right that right, was it. Just right, to, right. to save face with my mom right. and, and her Bible study group. That's yeah. why I was doing that. And just to keep them off my back. Yep. So I was still leaving at home, obviously. I came home and uh, my dad's like, oh, so how, how's school today? I'm like, if I can be honest with you, I get a total anxiety attack sitting there as these teachers would talk about the business success that they would had, I feel like if I just simply had an idea, I would be able to just take the ball and run with it. You know, I, I can't do this. This is driving me crazy. Like, why are we talking about it? Why don't we go do it? 
again, my my impatient naivete was just that's what you know. Well, you've already sure. proven to yourself a little bit of willingness to go do, to just be do driven, and you had examples of that in your life yeah. of people going out and doing and being something. So it's not it's not such a crazy thought that you were like driven that way. In retrospect, it is though. You know, knowing now what I what I know here after 35 years in business, yep. it's crazy what the hell was I thinking? Like like I had no business plan. I knew nothing of manufacturing. I knew nothing <laughs> of sales. Back, back then, you probably didn't need one. You could walk into a bank and say, hey, here's a drawing on a bar napkin. What are you thinking? They're like, hey, yeah, what the heck? We'll give it a shot. Started the business with about 35 bucks. That's awesome. Literally. More than you went to LA with. <laughs> 100%. True <laughs> yeah. that. True that. So my dad says, hey, I, I have a business idea for you as we're sitting around the, the dining room table. He said, um, a, a group of shop owners came through, toured my shop in the last couple of weeks. Of all the unique ideas that I implemented within my shop, the one idea that they were totally drawn to was this sliding vinyl curtain partition that I used to separate my paint shop. So I knew I understood it. Body shops make a lot of mess, right. dust, yeah. noise, paint, primer, water, whatever, a lot of airborne contaminants. Yep. I'd grown up in this shop. So I went over the next day with one of those little cardboard uh, Kodak cameras. Yep. Snapped a picture of this thing that he had he'd put up there. I created yep. a, a one-page features and benefits flyer, and we took it up to a trade show. We didn't have a, a booth, but we walked up and down the trade show booth handing out these flyers. And a shop from Texas said to me, it's an excellent idea. I know exactly what you're talking about. You call me on Monday. I will be your first order. A shop from Texas. That's unbelievable. And that was, that was the seed money. And from there, I had to figure out who was going to build it, how we were going to price it. You know, what's our business model? I mean, all these words that I didn't know existed right, at the right. time. But I started taking out ads in the back of Body Shop magazines and uh, set up a, a, a single phone line in the corner of my dad's auto body shop office, a little card table there. The phone phone started ringing and I do some consultative selling about to these body shop guys. I'd take dimensions over the phone. They'd give me a credit card. I'd, I'd, I'd ship it off to uh, the cut and sew shop and have yep. them drop ship the whole thing to... To the to the shop owner, and that's unbelievable. That's the way the business. Started. So, so yeah. I mean, if, if I'm connecting dots, because obviously yeah. it's easier for me to connect them after the fact. But if if you think about it, when you were selling that at that trade show, walking mm -hmm. up and down to all these booths, it was no different than you selling yourself to get gigs, that's selling right. your band, believing in what you were doing, and being able to convey that. So much of those skill sets are the exact same skill sets of taking that partition yep. and getting somebody to buy into it because you're passionate about it and you're like, this is how I'm going to make money. So this is what's happening today. It's 100% entrepreneurial. The, yeah. The whole thing. I mean, you're, you're, you're selling, um, you're selling a vision to your employees or your yep. bandmates or whoever you have around you. Um, uh, you're, you're marketing. Um, you're creating a strong product right. that people can believe in. Um, it's all those things. So, so that, that business itself still in existence, the same way doing the same things or it's certainly evolved over the years. It's okay. still industrial space partitioning, okay. but now we have a whole line of uh, high performance door products and, and the company's done, you know, quite well. We, we now operate out of a 67,000 square foot, um, manufacturing facility in Pewaukee. Unbelievable. Um, 
but yeah, I just kept hiring people that were way the heck smarter than I was for That's their best way to do it for their areas of expertise. I do and, the same thing. You know, <laughs> create a plan, set yep. a vision, and get the hell out of the way. You know? And 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 so is that is that really kind of your main gig? That's that's the uh, that's that's the golden goose for me. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So so now we're kind of looking at slightly gigantic, yeah. right? And and you've got this project, you've got enough shit going on in your life. Yeah. Whoa. Well, it's just it's you know. <laughs> at some point, at some point, when does a musician stop being a musician because they've got this other stuff? Never, apparently. At yeah. least, in, at least in my case, and I think in most people's case. I mean, yeah. once it gets in your blood, it just doesn't go away. Right. So the entire time I've been building this business since 1996, and like I said, I started the Boogeyman, and that was a, yeah. a huge musical distraction as yeah. well, you know, and other things were happening. Um, as we are going through now, it's uh, – let me think about this. Let me think about this. It's probably like 2000, and I'm like – I've been doing all of these things for all of these years, but what I really want to do is go back to where I started and create some real music, put some real music out in the world that I can truly be proud of. Cool. And that was, that was the thing that was nagging at me. The other thing that was nagging at me big time is music marketing in the 21st century is something that I never got to experience. And I'm so jealous, so deeply jealous of of all the up and coming artists that have opportunities like this, like podcasts, like YouTube, like digital distribution, like Spotify, like, you know, had you had that, had those tools. if you had something like that and everybody will say right. this, but as driven as you were about lips yeah. and, you know, going to the expo center and selling it, selling out these shows on your own yeah. and going and trying to get people to buy tickets and come to this and printing out posters and doing all of that work with cassettes and hitting all these different bars for gigs and all this stuff. The amount of energy and effort that took versus being able to sit at home yep. and, you know, plan things out and have a little bit more of a strategy and have a lot more of people's past experiences to pull on yep. to kind of like, you know, help you through like how you are going to present yourself. It is a different world right now. If you're a musician getting yep. into it now, the negative side of what it is today is easy. And I don't want to say easy because you've got to know what you're doing because there's so much clutter. Oh yeah. The problem nowadays is there's so much clutter and there's so much talent that's never heard because they don't have the time or the skill set to Break find through. a way to get people to know they exist. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's where, that's where your, I mean, I sit there and I look at some of your downloads, some of your um, engagement on your social platforms. It's legit. You've figured, you've figured some of this out right now with what you've been up to. Trying to. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely trying to. And I mean, it's not trying. You're doing, <laughs> you're doing so much so fast in such a short period of time. What, where, what got you there? Who did you pay attention to? Who's helped you kind of navigate through the clutter? I'm just, I'm just a curious guy. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, I'm listening to a ton of podcasts and I'm listening to the CD baby podcasts and I'm, 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 I'm reading all these articles and, and, um, I'm using Spotify for artists and I'm watching the, the, their YouTube videos and we're submitting things through submit hub and we're, we're trying to get these influencers 
to pick up our songs and use them on a, on TikTok and on uh, on on their Instagram reels and you know all these types of things. It's just and if I had more time, you know, I think I could really go after it. But it's just an interesting experiment for me, you know, for a, a guy that's my age to see if I can actually put relevant music out into this world by leveraging the the, the resources that the I've, I've the right. platforms yeah. that are out there now because I've been so jealous along the way. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. You know what? The first band that I, I realized that were, were really the, the kind of the new generation, they actually had the beginnings of the tools with Pro Tools, digital recording. Yeah. They didn't need a $2,000 a day lockout at, at A&M Records right. to, to create something great. Yep. They, they had Pro Tools and a, and a laptop or whatever they yep. had. They were figuring it out. You know, YouTube was in its same. It was, it was Lincoln Park. No, yeah. You know, do you remember yep, this? Yep, absolutely. And yep. those, I, I would read articles about those guys and be like, they are a lot like we were because they were smart and they were motivated and they weren't. And they were trying to figure it out. They, they were, weren't just saying, yeah. we're a band. Just let us be a band. Everybody should come because we've got great music. We put on a great show. They'll show up. They were business people. They were too. business people. Yeah. They they really thought about it yep. and they, they strategized it and they did it the, in the way that I, I think that, you know, we, we would have done it had we had the same tools. And And so what... What is next? So are you, I mean, obviously the golden goose yeah. is going to stay the golden goose and you're going to keep on growing that into, um, it's going to transition into whatever it transitions to yeah. based on what's relevant in the business and the category that you're in. That's you're right. going to keep on doing that, right? That's right. Yeah. But music wise, are you looking to make this, um, I would say an internal project where you guys are just doing your own recording, putting out your own music, putting it out on a Spotify, out on social, and just doing it that way? Or are you looking at getting back out and gigging? Yeah, that, that's Because you're still doing yeah. 52nd Street. Yeah. yeah that's that's something that you're doing regularly. Yeah. Is that your only out... It's my external only, performance. Yes, it is. Okay. It is. And I would love to be able to get out and play with Slightly Gigantic live, actually flesh out a band around these songs and, and, and go tour. And Joe and I have talked about this, you know, at our, I hate, I hate to keep saying it at, at, at my age, but I'm in my fifties. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, like, I'm like, 54. You know what I mean? <laughs> we, are, we are the same age. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. so We've been through 45s, you know, the albums, the cassettes, the CDs, the MP3. The whole thing. We, yeah, we, so, know, we know so much. Right. <laughs> so my, my, my super pipe dream would be, like, be the first guy in his 50s to ever be able to take a band and, like, actually break through a little bit. You know, go tour in a, a summer European festival tour or something like that and, so and actually cool. go out and do it. And at this point, it's really more of a bucket list type thing for me to be able to do something like that. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure with me, it, it all, it, it all begins with thought. Once the thought gets, kicks yep, in, yep. you know, then action will follow, but it's, it's starting to get fleshed out in my head, how we might be able to make this happen. Well, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And then I want to talk a little bit about Joe. Um, the reality is you have so much, I don't know how much content you have or video content or anything from all of your past musical projects. Yeah, not much. That's the, that's yeah. the problem, right? Yeah. It's like, because if, if you could have some resume of proof of how much you put out there and right. the, the way you put a show on, yeah. everybody's going to want to book you because they're going to believe in what you're going to do on stage. They're going to listen to your music and they're going to say great music, but boy, there's a lot of great music. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's not a lot of great 
performers. There's not a lot of great bands that go out where you walk away and go, holy shit, that was an awesome show. I'm going to, I'm going to download all their music tomorrow. Yeah. And that's where, what I think you have that so many don't have. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, that. people have people have good music out there. Oh, yeah. But, but when they get up on stage, are they different? Right. Are they bringing it differently? Are they caring about the showmanship, the the aesthetics of the stage, the, yeah. the set, the lighting, all of it, which is what you kind of always give a shit about. You care about the whole I, I always show. have for, from from Jump Street, you know, yep. from the time I was a kid, like it was those rock bands yep. that that you know made me want to do this with the the big stage shows and all that. I mean, at this point, I think strategically, there's some ways we could kind of get around some of these things. Yeah, you know, we could put together a band. We could do some showcase shows. Those sh- showcase shows could be filmed well. Yep. You know what I mean? It could yep. become part of that EPK. And, you know, we're about to release the seventh song. Um, you know, when we get to about 12 songs, I think, is we're just doing these one at a time yep. to try to build interest Smart. as much as possible. Yep. And you don't want to overload it. And, no. and just nope. everybody's like, because let's let's put it this way. Every album we've ever bought or listened to, You've got those songs that you're like, eh, right. you skip past them. Yep. And then, oh my God, love this one. Love yep. this one. Holy shit, this is awesome. This yep. is the best song. Why is it number seven? Right. You know, type of a thing. And that's kind of the, that fear of like, if you put them all out there at the same time, you're going to get those skip throughs yep. and you just, you don't know what you're going to get for a full reaction. So when you it's, release them strategically, right, there's more power to it. It's it's also, it's just too much for the average to human being to, to, to take in these days. Yeah. I mean, do you want to listen to Slightly Gigantic that you've never heard of by some a couple of 50 yeah, year 12 guys? songs. Yeah, 12 songs. You want to take, you want to sit down and digest that for, you know, an yep. hour or 10 or something right. like that. Or would you rather kind of maybe get on the bandwagon slowly and hey, well, that sounds kind of you're doing cool, it the right you know? way. So that's that. At least that's our theory. It's it's a good theory. I think it's I think um the, it's it's becoming more popular again to put out those five, five song EPs too mm-hmm. versus full albums. You're yeah. you're hearing more up and coming artists that are doing it that way. Um, it's it gets frustrating to me because I'm like I know they probably have 50 songs and I want to hear those other 50. I've heard these five for like eight months right. now. Can we get come on? Let's can right. we have some more, please? Um, but but that's probably what they want, you know, our, as well. Our plan is to get all 12 out in the world and then repackage it as 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 a, as a record for anybody that cares. Yep. And maybe if that happened to coincide with some live dates and maybe some maybe some vinyl, you know, yep. this type of thing. You know, maybe that would be the thing because, yeah. you know, before you go and tour, even if it's going to be a m- one month or a two month tour, you really want to have enough of a collection of songs out there where people can at least look you up on Spotify and, yep. and get a real flavor for what you're all Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So what, when you talk about the bucket list of it all, what do you think your timeline in your head is that you think you're going to be out there playing? Like our goal is in six months, in a year, in this amount of time? Like, what? what's comfortable for you? Yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, boy, not getting any younger, you know? That's um, part of my thought. It's like, right? you don't want to say three years. No, no, no. I would say this would be my bucket list, to say within about a year to actually have a band put together and, yeah. and, and be moving towards, you know, hey, we're just going to go on a nice little little vacation, guys. Yep. We're going to take a little leave of absence and see you in a month. Yep. And we'll have some cool tour book. That would be a bucket list for me. That's we'll awesome. We'll see. And, and where – do you have any venues that you're like, 
I really want to play there. I mean, I would love to do like an actual European summer festival tour. You know, that would be the thing that or, or have something. Have you ever like done anything like that? No. That's why it's that's why I want to do, do, do it. That's why I want to do it. That's awesome. So, what is uh what's next for you that's not music related, not your golden goose? Like what do you just personally want to go out there and do ASAP? Huh. Um I mean, and you can say, you know, go to the corner bar and have a beer by myself with nobody around. So well, maybe I can just one get... with you, right? Who needs a shrink when we got Jeff Peterson that's in the right. house? Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm gonna, bring, I'm gonna bring all the emotions out. <laughs> you uh, know, I don't know. It, it's this this music is is I'm really focused on it right now. I, I really I'm really enjoy it. Um, I want to play more shows with Fifty Second Street right right away. You know, um, so good. Um, I'd like to go do more theaters. You know, in the last couple of weeks, we were able to do a theater up in Michigan and then the Pabst Theater. Both of those shows were great. And it just reminds me, like, like those are the kinds of shows that I really enjoy playing. You know, yep. big stages, professional situations, ticketed situations where people are actually paying attention. Right. To so you. you don't hear all the people just jawing in yeah. the background, your background music, all the rest of it. So I, I, I love where you've, where you've been. Great stories, great journeys. For you, it's got to be fun to to reminisce and think back of some of the things that you did, some of the craziness of it all. And, and the fact that, you know, hey, sometimes being naive is exactly what you need to get you where, to where you're going. Um, thank you for being part of the podcast. Yeah, thanks it's for the It's been invitation. a blast, man. It's been an absolute blast. We will keep uh, tabs on you. Uh, give us any slightly gigantic contact info yeah t tell us all about it so people can go immediately start download and stream it sure the, the website is slightly gigantic band.com slight, slightly gigantic band.com uh instagram you'll find us slightly gigantic band um facebook slightly gigantic uh you know all, all the rest of it. you'll find us all over spotify and stuff i think we just eclipsed like our you know 320 320,000th stream in the last that's insane by the way just in the last you know since since june so it's, that's amazing I mean, I'm sitting here, I've got a ton of up and coming artists that I have connected with and I, I track that stuff and I look at this and I'm like, how are they, how, why don't they have more? Because they're so good. More people need to know about them, all this kind of stuff. And you start looking at their social media and what's going on and you're like, oh, there's, it starts to make sense as to why it's not. And then I looked at yours and I'm like, man, you've got, you've got this dialed in to hit your bucket list. You really do. Th th that would be the thing. I, I, I just I want to be the first old guy that has any any level of success in, in, uh, in music. You, you've right. built a great foundation. Thank you for sharing it with us. It's been a blast as I just ripped the <laughs> shit out of a microphone. Um, it's, it's always fun to talk to you. Always fun to catch up. And uh, thanks for being Awesome, being Joe. Appreciate Good it. Good stuff, man. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. Slightly gigantic Tony Goff, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Interstate of Music Podcast. Peterson out. Thank you.